Please do turn with me tonight to 1 John and chapter 4 to our reading, 1 John chapter 4, and our text is taken from principally verse 18, but also verse 17. I read again, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. My title tonight is Love Conquers All Fear. There is no fear in love. What a statement. What a statement by the Apostle John, so profound and interesting. There is no fear. In love, I don't have to ask tonight, is anybody fearful? Is anybody anxious about the week ahead? Anxious about the coming weeks? Anxious about something that's not yet happened or about to happen? And so we read, what a statement, there is no fear in love. Love conquers all fear. Well, this is not about human love. That could not be. Not natural, human, biological, fuzzy feeling love. No, nothing like that. This is about perfect love. That can mean only one thing. The Lord Jesus Christ. The very definition of love as we say, the personification of love. Love turned into a human being. God's love made flesh. This is a person. Perfect love casts out all fear. A much loved verse. No human being can take away all our fears. I can't do that. You can't do that. A mother, a father, who sends their child to school tomorrow for the first time, some I'm sure, or Tuesday, they can't take every fear away. Fear, as I shall say, and we shall see again, is endemic to life. We all have fears. They're natural. I want to speak tonight very naturally about fears, a good subject to consider in an appropriate text. Herein is our love made perfect. Fears multiply. When you have one fear, it gets bigger. And then another one adds to it, and another one. And the more you think about it, they get bigger and bigger, and the worse the situation gets, we get paralyzed by fear. Has that happened to you? So fearful, you don't know what to do. You're stuck, gripped by fear. Well, there is a rule when you come to try to explain, to exegete the word of God. One of the rules of interpretation, and it's a good rule, is when a word first appears in the Bible, 
We call it the law of first use. We take particular notice of the first occasion that that word is used to understand its meaning. You don't need to turn to it, but those who are here this morning, you might have worked out the first time that the Bible mentions fear, the word is afraid, is Genesis 3. And there we find Adam. He's taken the fruit. He did eat. There he is. The Lord comes and he asks a question. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They are in shame. Their sin has been felt. They feel naked, undone before God. They're in the trees in the garden. Fear has entered the world, afraid. The Lord calls and asks a question. I've said this recently, apologies, but it's worth making the point again. The first question came from Satan. Hath God said... A destructive question. Challenging God's word, God's authority, God's truth. But the first question of the Lord was designed to rescue, to save, to find, to restore. I go off track. Bear with me. Can I ask that question again tonight? Where are you? Where are you in your soul? If God calls to your heart tonight and says, where are you? Are you in the world? Away from God? In the far country? Eating the husks? Afraid? Out of your mind? Where are you, Adam? That's the question. What a loving question. Sometimes you shout in the house. You've got a big house. Where are you? And the Lord comes to us and he calls, where are you? What are you doing? And Adam says, I heard the voice of God in the garden and I was afraid. Fear has entered his mind, his life, his heart. Do you know, from that day onwards, my life and your life, if it's characterized by one thing, it would be fear. Fear. Fear of so many things. That's the testimony of all of us. Nobody can say, I've never been frightened, never been afraid. If you can, you're a liar. Everybody's afraid. Afraid of the dark. Afraid of so many things. This is a direct result of the fall. Because Adam and Eve sinned, fear enters the world. From now on, the world is full of fear. And it is tonight, isn't it? Isn't the world full of fear? You turn on the news, fear. The cost of living. Debt. War. Fear. 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 What did they call it in COVID? Project Fear. 
Maybe it was a good thing to protect people's lives. I don't know. I'm not commenting on that. But you know, I've met people now. They still won't go out of their houses. They're too frightened to go to the shop. Fear has struck. Oh, as a pastor, I have the privilege and the responsibility to meet many people. Some people hear voices in their head. They're frightened. The voice telling them to do something awful. The fear of taking up the bottle again. I spoke to two people this week, alcoholics, and they'd told me before, the drink has gone. It's come back again in a vengeance. Fear, fear strikes us down, paralyzes us. Well, what a sad situation. Look at the contrasting word here in verse 17. We'll come back to this. That we may have boldness. That's the opposite of fear, isn't it? Fear, I can't go forward. I'm stuck to the spot. Boldness. Now I go forward in life and particularly to the day of judgment that holds no fear for every believer here tonight. Does it hold fear for you? Are you fearful when your secret sins, your darling sins, get exposed and revealed? Maybe you're the only one that knows about one particular kind of sin. Can you say, I have boldness? In the day of judgment. This is the gospel. Fear. Boldness. What's true of your life tonight? If you're a Christian, you've got boldness. Sometimes we still get affected by fear because we've taken our eye off the Lord Jesus Christ and off his word. And we're looking down and we're looking at the problems and they balloon. But if only we would look back. To the Lord we would have boldness in that day. Do you know tonight I can summarize my message in the short time we have in six words. See if you can remember these. Bad fear, number one. Good fear, number two. Perfect love. Can we remember those six words? Bad fear. This is the experience of individuals and groups. Sometimes fear comes across a nation or a group of people, maybe a family. Bad fear. Bad fear. Unwanted fear. We don't want to be with this kind of fear. Fear that affects our happiness, our well-being as we call it nowadays. Fear that affects your face. You can tell somebody that's fearful. A computer can look at your face and can see if you've got fear in your life. Fear that lingers, that's bad fear. Do you know the Greek word is a word that we know. It's phobos, phobia. Misused nowadays. People speak about Homophobia, the fear of man? Of course not. We don't fear anyone as Christians. We love 
all people, especially the sinner. Sometimes people say we love the sinner but not the sin. How can you divorce the sin from the sinner? That's another matter. Phobos, phobia. Are you afraid of spiders? Arachnophobia. I don't mind spiders. Claustrophobia. Fear of space. I once got crushed in a gymnasium on mats that were this big. I was on top of one and another one was put on me. We were playing British Bulldogs. And I must have been there for about 26 seconds and it seemed like a lifetime. Crushed between two mats, I could not breathe. Claustrophobia. Do you know what my greatest phobia is? Some of you know. A phobia. Do you know what that is? The fear of snakes. I hate snakes. I hope we all hate snakes. The first animal that brought the sin to the world was that cunning snake. The fear of. I'm not talking about spiders and snakes tonight. Do you know, for most of us, our worst fears, they're not things we can see. The fear of loneliness. There's lonely people here tonight, I know. People that don't like being alone. The hours of the night go on. And they wish they were with somebody that was dear to them, or is dear to them. Fear of loneliness. That's not a good fear. The fear of debt, getting into debt, spending and spending, and the credit card can't be paid off. The cost of living, energy bills five times. That's a fear. It's a very real fear. The fear of retaliation. Somebody getting back something you have done or you haven't done or they think you've done and somebody wants to come and They've got your number. The fear of being controlled by others, that's a horrible fear. Turning up to work and the boss is unreasonable. Or your husband is ruling you with fear because of his regime, because of his bursts of anger. Or the wife because of her routine. That's fear. You can't see it, but it's there. The fear of dying, that's real. You can't see it. The fear of failure. The fear of being a disappointment to your mum and dad. I've let you down. I didn't become a doctor. I didn't become what you wanted me to be. The fear of failure, it's real. All these fears, the fear of disappointment, nuclear fear, I could go on and on. The world is full of fears. Those are bad fears. But you know there's a fear that's good and bad. It's here in verse 17. The day of judgment. Do you know if you're not ready, that's a bad fear? Some people go to sleep at night. I remember a testimony of somebody in this church telling me of years ago and they heard one message and they could not get hell.
flames and fire out of their mind for days upon days. don't want to make that your fear tonight, but it's real. If you don't have boldness on the day of judgment, that's a bad fear. But you know it can be a good fear. If that's what you think about tonight as you sleep, you get on your knees. You pray to God that you would have boldness in the day of judgment because you know your sin is gone, the record is gone, your sin has been taken as far as the east is to the west, and God remembers your sin. No more good fear and bad fear. Well, let me speak about good fear. There's good fear in a physical sense, isn't there? You go near the fire, that's a good fear. You don't want to be burned. You go near the edge of a cliff, and you look over and you feel fearful. I don't want to go over there, let me stand back. That's a good kind of natural fear. But there's three types of good fear I want to mention briefly tonight. There's the fear when you come into the presence of God. If you've never known that, you've never prayed, you've never worshipped, you've never read your Bible and it's spoken to you, the fear of the presence of God where you feel and know in your heart and mind God is real and you're before him. In prayer, in worship, you're in his presence. That's a good fear. If you feel that fear tonight, that's a good fear. And there's a second kind of fear. When you're in the presence of God and your heart desires to reverence God, to give him the respect that he surely deserves, that's good fear. The fear where you say in your heart, God is holy, I'm a sinner. And I can't just rush, shout and jump and scream. I come thoughtfully. I come before God, my maker. And I give him reverence, respect. Do you know there's a third type of fear that's good? We call it awe. It's not just being in God's presence. It's not just respecting him. It's something that we read about. You don't need to turn to it. Isaiah 6 and verse 5. Here's the prophet Isaiah. And in his vision, he's in the very presence of God. And he is awestruck. This is what he says. Woe is me, for I am undone, I'm opened up, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the king. This is a vision, it wasn't real, but it felt real, and the truth was real. For mine eyes have seen the King, 
the Lord of hosts. Being in the presence of God, that's good fear. Reverencing and respecting God, that's good fear. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, said Isaiah. But to be awestruck is to say, woe is me, I'm unclean. That's a good fear. Do you feel unclean tonight? Do you feel a guilt, a conviction, a burden that's not been lifted? That's good fear. Thank God that you feel that. That's God-given fear. And you need to get on your knees and ask him to take that fear away. Bad fear, good fear. Two more words, perfect love. Oh, let's look at those words. Herein is our love made perfect. We don't have perfect love. My love for you as a pastor is imperfect. Your love as a parent is imperfect. We do the very best we can. Sometimes, sometimes we fail. Herein is our love made perfect. Only Christ can do that. Only he can be your advocate. Only he can speak for you. This boy, this girl, they've sinned. But I've died for them. I've given my life for that boy, that girl, that man, that woman. And I've stood in their place, condemned. And I've taken the punishment that she deserved, he deserved. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness on that great day of judgment. But let's go to our text, perfect love. Perfect love. Do you know what that is? Do you know Christ? Do you know that God-given fear that enables you to desire Christ? To love him, to obey him, to repent, to turn from your sin. Do you know it was spoken of way back in the book of Deuteronomy. This was what was said to Moses and now Israel. What doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear thy God? You have to fear God before you can know his perfect love. To walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul. But before then comes to fear thy God. Every Christian tonight, their lives are characterized by fear, but not bad fear, good fear. What's in your life tonight? Are you filled with fear this week? The Lord casts out all fear. Perfect love, Christ casts out all fear. You know, that's the life of the Christian. Tomorrow, you go to work, you go to school. I don't need to be fearful. 
because I have my Saviour. I have my Lord. He's washed me clean. He's forgiven my sin. And on that day of judgment, I will have boldness, not my own. A boldness given to me, a holy boldness, because perfect love has cast out my fear. Is that your testimony? Can you say that? Can you confess confess with your lips? Can you write down your testimony and say, perfect love has cast out all my worst fears and I can have boldness on that day. Do you know the word for love here? Agape. That sacrificial love. The love that's so expensive that it cost the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how a husband and wife should love each other. Agape. Perfect love, but we don't. But that's the way Christ has loved all his people. And everyone that comes to him and pleads that your love would be made perfect will give that holy boldness. And then you can live life when your eyes are set on him and you can say these words, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, Christ, has cast out all my fears. Is that your testimony and story tonight? My Savior, my Lord, perfect love has cast out all the fear in my life and on that day of judgment. I won't think if only. I won't think that night I heard the gospel and I spurned it. I will think that night I got on my knees and I prayed that perfect love would cast out all my fear. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, gracious God, come to us tonight afresh. We pray the Holy Spirit would come down into a heart, into a life, and do what we cannot do, cast out all fear, Oh, hear us now, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' precious and perfect